The Last Word with Matt Cooper. Today FM. It all happens here. What a day in the special criminal court. When the verdict finally came, though, I think it's fair to say there had been a significant build-up, hadn't there been, in the uh, statement by the judges in relation to how they'd reached that particular verdict. There had been, and, and I suppose that's because the presiding judge, Ms Justice Tara Burns, read the judgment out in its entirety. And you have to remember that aside from Jerry Hutch, there were also two other men on trial, um, albeit for less serious uh, charges. And Ms Justice Burns decided to deal with their cases first. For whatever reason, uh, she decided to deal with the cases of Jason Bonney and and Paul Murphy before turning her attention to the case against uh, Jerry Hutch. Uh, she didn't begin delivering uh, the court's ruling in relation to him until after lunch. This has certainly been a long time coming. You could say this has been seven years uh, in the making because that's when David Byrne was shot dead in the Regency Hotel back in, in February of 2016. We obviously covered um, all 52 days of the trial that followed last year and, and bleeding into early this year. And the court then took almost 12 weeks to consider all of the evidence before delivering that very detailed uh, judgment, as you say, that has resulted in the acquittal of uh, Jerry the Monk Hutch and the other two have been convicted of the charges that they faced. How did Jerry Hutch react during the reading of the verdict? Because even before he was formally declared not guilty, it was quite clear it was going very much his way. It, it really was. And, and I suppose as soon as the judge turned her attention to the case against Jerry Hutch, you got the sense that he was going to walk because um, I found it very interesting that she began by pointing out the prosecution's specific case against him. She said it wasn't the case that he planned it and wasn't present when it actually happened. She said the case put forward against him was that he was actually there and was an actual shooter, something I personally found uh, hard to believe when that was first put to the judges on the opening day of the trial by the prosecuting barrister uh, back in October. I found it incredible to think that somebody like Jerry Hutch would have actually been that closely involved in what happened at the Regency Hotel. But that was the case put forward by uh, the prosecution. It took a number of hours for Mr. Ms. Justice uh, Tara Burns to outline the prosecution's case uh, before she revealed why the court felt that it hadn't proven that specific case uh, beyond a reasonable doubt. And Jerry Hutch, I suppose like he was throughout all 52 days of the trial, didn't give uh, much away. We learned during that recorded conversation between him and Jonathan Dowdall as they travelled to Northern Ireland in the aftermath of the attack at the Regency Hotel, that he is a man of very few words. And he did seem quite relaxed when he came into the courtroom this morning. He sat in the dock alongside uh, Paul Murphy and Jason Bonney and was seen smiling and, and chatting away to them before the judges uh, entered the courtroom. And he gave very little reaction when he was eventually uh, acquitted. Um, Jerry Hutch, as I've, we've spoken about before, has some hearing difficulties and he has been provided with some headphones to assist in him following uh, proceedings. And he he was listening intently uh, throughout. Again, this took a number of, of hours. And after he was eventually acquitted, I noticed that he just had a brief consultation with his lawyers. He shook his solicitor's hand. The judges said that um, there was no issue with him being immediately released. And he walked out of the courthouse a, a few minutes later. OK, and of course, and the two men in the dock with him, 
have been found guilty, albeit of a lesser charge of facilitating the murder of David Byrne by making vehicles available to a criminal organisation. Uh, but are they still remanded in custody? Well, they've, they've been on bail throughout. They appeared in, in court today again on, on bail. That, that has now changed, uh, given the fact that they were both found guilty of facilitating what happened to David Byrne at the Regency Hotel by providing logistical support through the provision of getaway vehicles. They were both found guilty of that. Uh, Paul Murphy um, of Cherry Avenue in uh, Swords, um, he was accused of um, allowing his uh, Toyota Avensis taxi uh, to be used um, to, I suppose, help the, the hit team get away from the area in the immediate aftermath of the shooting. Now, he raised concerns about the identification of his uh, taxi, but the judges didn't agree with the arguments that he put forward. And there was also some evidence in relation to taxi receipts. These were receipts which suggested that he was actually on jobs at relevant times during the investigation. These were found in his taxi after it had been seized by uh, Gardaí, but the judges believed them to be inaccurate and unreliable. And he was found guilty of the charge that he faced. Jason Bonnie was also found guilty, a man of Drumnai Wood in, in Port Marnock. He, um, we heard, allowed his black BMW Jeep to be used in the getaway, and he tried to blame his dead father. He said it was actually his late father who was driving the Jeep that day. The court didn't believe him, though. They actually criticised him for trying to implicate his father. They have been remanded in custody. Their sentence hearing is due to take place in May. But I suppose, as, as was the case during that very lengthy, high-profile trial, um, everybody was really concerned about the case in relation to uh, Jerry Hutch. Indeed. And unsurprisingly, it all boiled down down to whether or not the judges believed the testimony of the state-turned-witness uh, Jonathan Dowd. And that's what I was just about to ask you about, Frank, because I think this is absolutely central and key. The decision made by the prosecutors to actually use this evidence from Jonathan Dowdall as being central to their argument. So tell us, please, about fairly, not just implicit, but fairly explicit criticism by the court of that decision by the prosecution. Well, firstly, it might be helpful to just point out the very serious allegation that, that Jonathan Dowdall made against Jerry Hutch. He is the one who said that uh, he claimed that Jerry Hutch had confessed to him that he was one of the hitmen on the day of the shooting, that he had actually shot uh, David Byrne. The uh, defence were at pains to claim that that was uncorroborated. They accused him of being a liar, of being a man master manipulator. And let's not forget that Jonathan Dowdall was also supposed to stand trial for murder alongside Jerry Hutch, as we all know now. Now that charge was dropped and he subsequently testified against Jerry Hutch. Ms. Justice Tara Byrne said, rightly so, that his evidence had to be approached with extreme caution for lots of reasons. He is or was an accomplice because he did plead guilty to a charge of facilitating what happened to David Byrne through the provision of a, a room at the hotel. He is serving a four-year sentence in relation to that. And also, he is a possible entrant into the state's witness protection program. The judges spent a lot of time assessing his reliability as a witness in relation to his decision to testify against Jerry Hutch. And this was just over a week before he was also due to stand trial for murder. Ms. Justice Tara Byrne said, it cannot be said 
that he found God or decided to do the right thing. He was acting out of his own self-interest. The court was of the view that he received a significant benefit in giving a statement to Gardaí. Ms. Justice Burns went on to say that he now has a chance of a life instead of a possible conviction for murder and that obviously related to the decision not to pursue a prosecution in relation to the murder charge against Jonathan Dowdall. His character was torn to shreds by Brendan Graham, the barrister who represented uh, Jerry Hush throughout these proceedings and the judges touch it and they had to consider his character when assessing the reliability of his evidence. They spoke about his previous conviction for false imprisonment and for torturing a man at his home on the Navan Road. They described that as truly appalling, shocking, disturbing. They described it as a brutal assault. They described him as menacing. They spoke about the lies he told. The lies he told on Liveline with Joe Duffy after his home was searched by the investigation team in relation to what happened at the Regency Hotel. She said that the tapes, this recorded conversation between Jonathan Dowdall and Jerry Hutch portrayed him as a ruthless and callous criminal. She said the court had to decide who they were actually dealing with when it came to Jonathan Dowdall because we were presented with so many different versions of him. She said there was a significant question over his character, a significant question over his reliability and that the court had to approach what he said about Jerry Hutch with extreme care. In relation to this meeting, this supposed meeting that he claimed that he had with Jerry Hutch in the park, again, a few days after the shooting, where he supposedly confessed as to his involvement, Ms. Justice Tara Brown said the phone evidence simply didn't support his claim of the day and the time that he said that he met Jerry Hutch. They identified serious difficulties in his evidence. They were not prepared to rely on his evidence in isolation. So what they had to do next was they had to look at the rest of the prosecution's case to see if there was something else to support what he was saying. And in the end, they didn't find anything. Well, then that leads to a question well put by a listener. How did this case get to trial in the first place without the Dowdall evidence? Because Dowdall only provided that evidence, I think, late in the day to the prosecution. So how did the DPP direct a trial and direct charges without having Dowdall's evidence? Well, it was a question posed by Ms Justice Burns today. She wondered what the case would have looked like if Jonathan Dowdall hadn't come forward and hadn't agreed to testify against Jerry Hutch, because let's not forget that a decision to charge Jerry Hutch with murder was already made at that stage. The Special Criminal Court comes in for a lot of criticism, but the one great benefit of having judges considering the facts of a case as opposed to a jury, as would be the case before the Central Criminal Court, is that judges also have to explain, as we found out today, in great detail, how they arrived at their decision. This took hours for Ms Justice Tara Burns and regardless of what people think about Jerry the Monk Hutch, this was the correct verdict. The evidence simply wasn't there. If they were to convict Jerry Hutch on the back of Jonathan Dowdall's evidence alone, then you'd have to ask some very serious questions about the judgment of the court. And in my opinion, that is not in question today. Well, Frank, sorry, you, you br- sorry, Frank, you bring up two really interesting points there because... I would also agree with you that this is a very clear and logical decision based on the evidence, which actually speaks very well of a judiciary doing the correct thing rather than doing what might be seen to be the popular thing or what maybe, you know, would have been wanted by elements of what you might call the establishment. Really, really strong, well thought out judgment. But the other point you brought up is a really, really good one. The fact that the decision has been clearly explained, whereas a lot of the times we get jury decisions and we wonder, well, how the hell did they come to that decision? 
yeah, you're you're often you're often left um, scratching your head in relation to some decisions that juries come back with. You know, the special criminal court gets a bad rap from certain quarters, and and Jerry Hutch fought hard to have his case heard before a jury. He went all the way to the Supreme Court, challenging the jurisdiction of the special criminal court to hear his case. He was unsuccessful. The reality is. The Special Criminal Court, like all other courts, doesn't entertain convictions at any cost. Ms Justice Tara Burns and her colleagues on the bench are the utmost professionals. They were diligent and more than fair to both sides throughout what was a long and very complicated trial. I know it will be of cold comfort to David Burns' family today that nobody has yet to be held responsible for his murder. But I think a conviction here today would have been an injustice on the back of what was heard during a 52-day trial. I remember somebody asking me during the trial what I made of Jonathan Dowdall's evidence. And while I struggled to believe a lot of what he was saying, I did think that if there was something to independently corroborate what he was saying to the judges, then it would give them some pause for thought. But it simply wasn't there. I found it like the judges did, I found it hard to believe that Jerry Hutch would make such a gushing admission to Jonathan Dowdall and then make absolutely no reference to it in a 10-hour recorded conversation between them a few weeks later. There was also no evidence to suggest Jerry was anywhere near the park when he supposedly confessed to Jonathan Dowdall. And as it turns out, there's also no evidence to suggest Jonathan Dowdall was there either, at least not when he claims it took place. And that's a reference to the phone analysis that was prevented or presented late on in the trial. The reality is the evidence simply wasn't there. The specific allegation that was being made by the prosecution in relation to uh, Jerry Hutch, they didn't have anything other than the words of Jonathan Dowdall to support it. And that's why uh, the conviction didn't get across the line today. It is not a case of conviction at any cost, like I say. Yeah, and then something else, of course, there was the prosecution said that there was a man, Kevin Flatcap Murray, who was among the attackers, who was one of the shooters. He was a dis- now deceased dissident Republican. So he's dead and can't be brought to justice if he was one of the shooters. But it means now, doesn't it, that there are people who were involved in the actual physical attack which led to the murder of David Byrne who are still free. Absolutely. That, that's the reality. Like, like I say, you know, David Byrne's family and uh, his mother, Sadie, was certainly there. There were other members of the family there there today. This will be a very difficult day for them because nobody has been held responsible to date. Nobody has been held responsible for the murder of, of David Byrne. Back in 2018, we had Jerry Hutch's nephew, Patrick Hutch Jr., standing trial for David Byrne's murder. But about a year later, the charge against him uh, was dropped and he also walked free from court and isn't facing any charges in relation to what happened at the Regency Hotel. I suspect that the investigation is ongoing, that inquiries are still being made behind the scenes. But as it stands, nobody else is before the courts in relation to the murder of David Byrne. We will, of course, have a sentence hearing in May in relation to Paul Murphy and Jason Bonney and their roles in facilitating what happened to David Byrne that day. We have Jonathan Dowdall and Patrick Dowdall, his father behind bars, for their roles in booking that hotel room uh, at the Regency Hotel. But as it stands, nobody else waiting in the wings to face a murder charge in relation to what happened to uh, David Byrne. Frank Greeny, our Today FM Courts correspondent. Thank you. The Last Word with Matt Cooper. Weekdays from 4.30. Today FM.